0: The podcast of this local government meeting is brought to you by Michigan Radio. For more coverage of local government meetings and to find out how you can support this service, go to michiganradio.org. All
1: right, then let's jump to the second slide here.
0: All right, just a few uh, meeting norms to get us started. Um, we please ask that everyone commit to learning and avoid speculation. Uh, so we encourage that you ask questions so we can explore the issues issues together. Please remember the importance of rights and the dignity of others. With that, we ask that you critique ideas and not people and that you're thoughtful about your language. So this can be a comfortable and respectful uh, forum for all participants. And just a reminder that any sort of inappropriate written and or verbal comment or language including personal attacks and accusations will result in the attendee being removed from uh, today's meeting. Next slide please. Okay, quick uh, technology uh, refresher here just uh, to remind all of our participants how uh, how to use the interactive features of zoom um, from a computer we asked that if uh, you're interested in, in asking a question or, or making a comment that you use the raise your hand feature. So you can do that by clicking the reactions button, which should be on the bottom of your screen on the toolkit there, on the toolbar there. Um, and go ahead and click the, the little raise your hand button. From a, If you're calling in from a phone, you can also raise your hand by selecting star nine. Um, and we will identify you by the last three digits of your phone number. Okay, so quick uh, demographics poll. This is not uh, a requirement, um, but it does help us uh, gain a better understanding of sort of uh, who we're connecting with and perhaps uh, who we're not and how we can improve our outreach strategy. So if you don't mind, uh, in a few minutes here, there'll be a a prompt survey that comes up on your screen. Just take a few minutes to complete that. That would be very helpful for us. Uh, So I'll give everyone just a few minutes here to complete that. All right, we'll give it about 30 seconds or so, just uh, for any of you that are finishing up on those questions. All right, perfect. Thank you so much for participating in that. Next slide, please, Carolyn. All right, we're gonna just take a few minutes here to, to have a little bit of a safety moment um, and remind everyone on the call the, uh, about the importance of having a family preparedness plan and building an emergency preparedness kit. Um, so what you see on the screen here is a, a little emergency checklist of some materials that you should think about having for uh, having within your kit. So things like food and water, PPE, extra batteries, um, et cetera. The other thing I really want to point out here is uh, the information there on the bottom right, which talks about how to sign up for our A2 emergency alert system. Um, so you can do that by visiting washtenaw.org slash alerts. Um, you can register to receive uh, various types of alerts from weather alerts to traffic alerts um, to significant emergency alerts, right? So. Uh, this is the system that we would use if there's some sort of emergency uh, that will impact our our community, our residents, we'll issue a message via text, email, or phone call to to notify you. So highly encourage um, those that may be on the call today that are not registered for those that you please take a few moments to to sign up for those. Next slide, please. Okay, and then we'll just, uh, we'll go ahead and go through uh, who's on the call today from a presenter and facilitator. Uh, side of things. Um, so just to kind of recap from the city of Ann Arbor, I'm Sydney Parmenter, the emergency management coordinator, um, and I've been the, the city project manager on on, uh, on the hazard mitigation plan update. Uh, Jerry, if you're on, do you mind introducing yourself? Hello, I'm Jerry Hancock. I'm the stormwater and floodplain, floodplain coordinator in the systems planning unit at the city.
2: All right, and from the Stantec side, this is Caroline Cunningham speaking. I'm the project manager. Got a few joining me today, including um, Christina Hurley, who will do the risk assessment, Kristen Hughes, who will do um, the mitigation strategy section, John Butcher, who um, is our planning and outreach lead. So he'll cover that information, and Matt Moy, who's helped us with GIS. Thanks, everybody. So we can now get into the meeting topic. We'll start with an agenda. So we've, we've gotten through our introductions and we just wanna level set with the group in terms of what is this topic? What does hazard mitigation mean? Um, and then we'll talk about why are, we, why are we bothering to update this plan? Why is that important for, for the community? We'll review the planning process so you have some context as we go into some of the results that we found um, in terms of the outreach we've conducted, the risk assessment and the mitigation strategy. And there are a few points where we're looking for your input on here, including um, the risk assessment, as well as the mitigation strategy and any sort of um, actions we might take to reduce risk. So be on the lookout for that. Um, In addition, please feel free to use the chat if you have questions or need clarifications. Um, We're a relatively small group, so I don't mind if you uh, need to come off mute to answer a question as well. So let's just start with what is hazard mitigation. If this is a new topic for you, Hazard mitigation is any sustained action taken to reduce or eliminate the long-term risk to human life and property from hazards. So, it's really, it's really what can we do to reduce the impacts of, of events, disaster events um, or hazard events that impact our community. And from that, we have hazard mitigation plans, and that's the topic of our conversation today. And those are really intended to help a community understand what hazard risk it has. Um, there's a focus on natural hazards but it does include some uh, man-made or technological hazards in it as well and then within those plans we also once we understand the risk we work to develop strategies or actions to reduce that risk and the intent there is really to break that disaster cycle and help our community be more resilient so in terms of why we're updating the plan Um, The community needs to have Ann Arbor needs to have um, a plan in place, meaning it needs to be completed and and approved by um, FEMA and even adopted by the city in order to meet the uh, requirements for hazard mitigation funding that comes from FEMA. That can be really substantial funding, and it is funding that the city has tapped into before. Um, In fact, there's funding for the Allen Creek Railroad Berm that um, used several sources, including FEMA, and um, there's a number of other benefits to the plan, such as um, CRS, and that stands for the Community Rating System, you see it there, but that's a great program that's voluntary, but the city participates in it in order to um, allow residents to receive a discount on their flood insurance premiums. <clears throat> Excuse me, there's also a number of benefits in terms of us integrating with other plans and efforts. If you're familiar with some of the other efforts going on, like the to 0 plan, um, we've had representatives from that plan as part of our planning process and have made sure that we're aligning our content and strategies with that as well Um, and certainly as we update the plan which is gets updated every five years we're always looking to iteratively improve it Uh, there's some focus on this update in terms of um, climate change impacts making that a little bit more robust and pronounced throughout the plan as well as integrating equity and we've done that through more robust engagement and an engagement um, working group that we've stood up. We're also working to have a much more actionable plan. These plans are meant to be visionary, so they have a longer lead time, but um, there's strategies we can also put in place to make sure that we're seeing those successes in the near term as well. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about the planning process when we're developing a hazard mitigation plan. These are kind of four big buckets that we tend to think of. Um, This comes from FEMA guidance, where we talk about organizing resources, which just means we're pulling together the planning team, we're collecting data, um, we're thinking about how to engage the public, and that kind of happens throughout this entire planning process. And once we kind of have had that groundwork set, we can go into assessing our risk. And this is a big part of it, as we, as I mentioned, that understanding risk to both natural and technological hazards is a big component of this plan. Um, and that includes, of course, um, future hazards or climate change impacts that are included. Um, with that information, as well as a number of other sources, that we'll talk about things like what are the um, what are the city's capabilities to advance um, hazard mitigation or risk reduction and what are those hot spots in terms of risk? We can then begin to develop um, the mitigation action plan. So developing that plan, the actions are kind of the heart of it, um, the heart of the mitigation plan in terms of what actions will we take um, near-term and long-term to reduce our risk. And then um, once we've got that plan developed, we are able to then adopt it and then move to implement it. And as mentioned, the, the public does stay involved throughout the process, and we'll Talk about some of those um, throughout the presentation. So um, this first topic is on public engagement and John's going to give you a little bit of an update of some of the activities that we've done for this portion of it.
3: All right so hopefully you all have seen a lot of the activities that, that we've uh, conducted so far to uh, engage the public in, the, in this plan. Um, obviously you've seen at least one item because you're here tonight so thank you very much for that. Um, We did have a kickoff meeting uh, a few months ago. Uh, We also have our social pinpoint website, which you can access from the uh, city of Ann Arbor site, Uh, but we encourage you to go there and um, take a look at the information there, but also we have a way for you to give us your ideas and we will have a way for you to give feedback on the material that we cover uh, tonight. Um, We also put out a survey early on and hopefully all of you took that and I'm gonna go over a few highlights of the survey results in just a minute. Meeting number two is tonight and uh, later on we're going to ask you for some input on some of the mitigation actions and then coming up in uh, in in another uh, few weeks, we will have an opportunity for you all to review the plan and provide feedback to uh, the city on the on the the entire plan. And then uh, you may have seen some tables at some events around the city, you might have seen Jerry and Sydney and some others. Um, at the Public Safety Open House, at the Green Fair, the Earth Fair Celebration, Farmers Market, and the A20 Week. So hopefully you saw them there. Those were some other places where we were sharing information about the, uh, about the planning process. So yeah, we can go to the next one. Um, so we had a lot of people fill out a survey this time. Last time we did this plan, we only had 113 respondents, but this time we jumped all the way up to 301. So hopefully that included all of you. And thank you very much. Um, if you did complete that survey, uh, some of the highlights from that are really the um, the hazards that folks are most concerned about. So not surprisingly, given your recent history, power outages, public health emergencies and drinking water contamination come up really high because those are things that are relevant and real and have recent impacts to you. Um, looking at climate threats that you all are most concerned about, um, not surprisingly, more uh, extreme and frequent rainfall events and in- extreme increased heat wave intensity uh, rose to the top as well the next one, please. Um, so then we had 197 people who filled out the survey to give us some ideas for what two actions that they thought were the most um, important for the city to take. And so went through all of those and, and kind of grouped them into categories. And and these are the categories that came out of those um, those actions. And so when we talk about protection and infrastructure improvements, those for the most part it had to deal with uh, flooding, stormwater flooding, riverine flooding, um, as well as uh, the dams that you have in the city. Um, power grid obviously came up a lot because of your recent power outages, um, but that was a combination of not only uh, making the system more resilient, hardening it, but also um, greening it. So looking at having a, a local utility that uses renewables, as well as using that as a way to provide backup power. And, of course, as always, people felt like we need to share more information to educate folks and to give them ideas on things that they can do. So, um, again, those are just some of the highlights, but that those that was great feedback, and hopefully you all contributed to that uh, as well.
2: Great. Thank you, John. And now we'll move on to the risk assessment, which Christina will cover. Hey,
4: everyone. Thanks, Caroline. Um, So as Caroline said, I'm gonna share some results from the risk assessment with you all today. Um, Just to give you a little background on um, how the risk assessment fits into the overall plan. So we create a hazard profile for each identified hazard and that profile includes things like a description, um, location of the hazard, the probability of it occurring, um, its severity or like its intensity, and then as well as like potential impacts and consequences. Um, And for this plan update, we identified 13 natural and 10 um, either technological or human caused hazards. And then today I'm just gonna go over a few uh, key findings. So I won't address every every hazard that we went over. So if there's a question regarding a specific hazard that you might have, feel free to come off mute or um, drop that question in the chat and we can get it addressed for you. Um, and then just a reminder that you will have the chance to review the entire risk assessment and, and all of the results in its entirety um, during the plan review period. All right, so um, touching on a few of these key findings. I think one of the, the first and foremost, one that I wanted to touch on is um, increasing temperatures and heat waves. So again, um, we know that Ann Arbor is getting, getting a lot warmer um, and just some of the highlights to maybe point out are that um, there's the potential for up to 60 additional uh, days over 90 degrees by the end of century, so uh, currently about that's about 22 days per year, and that'll be up to about 80 days per year um, by end of century, and just going to put that in perspective, that's up to about 22% of the entire year being made up of days over 90 degrees, so, so that's pretty significant. Um, There's also a projected change in the number of heat waves that Ann Arbor experiences. So um, we define heat waves as three or more consecutive days with temperatures above 86 degrees. And that change is from about three heat waves per year now to um, about eight heat waves annually by end of century. So again, a pretty big jump with um, the potential to have some pretty substantial impacts for the community. And um, that's something that the National Climate Assessment, which is um, put forth every few years for for the country as a whole, but they kind of focus on regions. Um, They've identified the Midwest as being particularly vulnerable to extreme heat relative to other regions. And not just because of the the increases that I just shared, but also just because of um, is preparedness and having to deal with with, um, extreme temperatures in the past. So you think of regions like the Southeast, um, they might be a little bit better equipped maybe have more AC and more um, measures in place to deal with it where the Midwest may not have that. So they do um, single out the Midwest as having the uh, largest increase in temperature related premature deaths. So that again, it's something to, to think about when we think about what type of adaptation measures you might wanna think about in the future. Um, There's also kind of hand in hand with those increasing temperatures is the uh, potential or projected increase in storm activity. So um, there are are models that show that Ann Arbor will increase will experience both um, an increase in severe thunderstorms. And then along with that, just a longer thunderstorm season. So you think we've got those higher heat days, kind of those summer temperatures that are beginning earlier, extending later. And then, along with that, we've got those um, that thunderstorm activity, and then to go along with that, we see that um, tornado alley is is shifting east. So, um, and that's been observed rather than projected. So, it, it is kind of thought to um, to continue over you know over time and into the future. But over the last forty years, um, it's been observed that um, more tornadoes are happening in the southeast and the Midwest. Um, then there used to be, and there's actually a lower frequency occurring in Texas and the Great Plains, which is typically um, identified as what's called Tornado Alley. And you can see that on the map here. So um, anything in blue is where they're experiencing a decrease in um, tornado frequency. And then anything in this like red, orange, and yellow is experiencing an increase. And you can see in Michigan and, and Ann Arbor as well as included in that. Um, So then the next kind of key finding I wanted to touch on is increased um, vulnerability to power outages. So I think John mentioned, you know, that was a a pretty big concern during, um, in the survey results. You know, you all also experienced a a pretty significant power outage event last August. So um, again, that's something I'm sure is, is already on your mind, but there are also sort of other factors in play in the future that might Kind of continued to increase um, to increase that vulnerability. So um, again, what what I just spoke to that increased storm activity. You actually think of like physical threats to the system, right? Like downed lines, um, down poles, trees impacting the power lines. Um, and then there's also just um, the potential threat from increased demand. So we think about like electrification to the system, which is a great strategy to. Um, help reduce your your greenhouse gas emissions, but also puts additional strain on the the grid, right? So we think about those shifts from things like natural gas to to electricity, and then also shifts from like fuel and gasoline to electric vehicles um, that just puts, again, an increased strain on the grid if the demand or if the supply is not there to meet it. Um, And this graph that's shown here, I won't go, um, too deep into it. It is pulled from the A to zero plan. If you are interested, I highly recommend checking it out if you haven't already, but just sort of um, exemplify some of those like increased um, demands that the city will see on electricity in the features from things like EV and then what they call like a fuel switch to those um, sort of less clean fuel sources to electricity. And then in addition to that, there's also just increased, oh, if you could go back one, um, just the demand for um, cooling as those temperatures increase as well as demand from just population and economic growth. Right. Um, so I also wanted to talk about just increased vulnerability to the city's tree canopy. So again, I know that's a, a big part of sort of the, the Ann Arbor identity. It also provides um, some relief from the urban heat island effect within the city. And helps the city kind of stay a little a little healthier. Provides those recreational opportunities, but with things like warmer winters um, and then just warmer temperatures in general, you have both the potential for um, pests to survive the winter. So we can about those like native pests that are already there, and then also the potential for new pests to enter to the area as um, temperatures increase and species that otherwise wouldn't thrive there can now um, can now thrive. And so, and then you also might have heat stress on the trees themselves. When you think about these trees that are are heat stressed and then uh, maybe not quite accustomed to, you know, the the new temperatures that they're experiencing combined with those pests, um, you could have weaker trees that either die or um, can be knocked down more easily during storm activity. Um, So you think about those kind of, again, those combined factors, just weakening the, um, the resilience of the tree canopy itself. Um, And then the next um, key finding that I wanted to discuss is more of a um, not so much a change or an addition to this plan iteration. So in the last plan in 2017, we did um, address water contamination to a certain extent, but we've actually included it as its own um, separate hazard within this plan this time around. And there's a few um, specific sources that we kind of uh, looked at and addressed throughout that hazard profile. So one being uh, water main breaks. So I know that you guys had a a pretty significant water main break in June of 2021 that resulted in a a two-day boil water advisory. So this happens when uh, bacteria can enter into the water system through that break. And that's what this picture here shows is where you can see the, um, the collapse in a few parts of the street from the the main break. Um, Another potential source of water contamination are um, sewage overflows. So um, an example would be in July of last year, we all had a 25,000 gallon um, sewage overflow during an extreme rainfall event. And fortunately during this event, um, none of that sewage entered into waterways, but it shows that there could be potential in the future if there's an overflow near a waterway um, for that contamination to occur. And um, we also see this as extreme rainfall events are projected to increase in both frequency and severity in the future, which we'll touch a bit on, on the next slide. But the last um, sort of potential uh, water pollution contamination um, theme we looked at is just general kind of water pollution from things like the dioxin plume, and then also just hazardous materials releases.
5: Um,
4: and then the, the last um, sort of hazard I wanted to touch on a little bit today would be flood risk. So that's um, probably one of the more significant natural hazards that the city faces. So we looked at um, a few different types of flood risk. So one is riverine flooding, and that occurs when um, the banks themselves actually rise out, the waters rise out of the riverbanks um, and then flood the surrounding area. And to, to look at risk from that, we mapped both um, floodplain data from FEMA, so we think about like the National Flood Insurance Program. They um, the map the 100 year floodplain, and then um, Ann Arbor also has a local model that ma- also maps the 100 year flood floodplain. So we use both of those because they're they're significant um, and similar in in a few ways, but they do differ a little bit, and you can kind of see it on this map. But we do have a Another map we can jump into and um, zoom in in more detail and we'll pull that up in a second here. But just to go over um, just some kind of basic risk results would be um, so we we overlaid these flooding layers with um, with structures and then with identified critical facilities. we found that there are about seven hundred and fifty structures in these 100 um, year floodplain areas and then as well as eight identified critical facilities. so, Um, Some of those include the dams, which are to be expected since they're um, on the water, Then also a few facilities like the the Kellogg Ice Center, um, the ice arena, um, a middle school, and then a few um, Ann Arbor Housing Commission properties. And then in addition to that uh, riverine risk, we also have what we call like pluvial risk or, or urban flooding. And that's generally caused by things like extreme rainfall when the drainage system, can't keep up with that rainfall and can't convey it off of properties fast enough. So again, when that stormwater system gets overwhelmed, um, there's the potential for things like sanitary sanitary sewer system overflows or sewer backups. Um, and then also things like roadway flooding and basement flooding. Um, and I, I think a good example that shows the risk the city faces from these types of, event, of events are um, the June 2021 flood event that you all had where um, it was a 24-hour, 100-year storm. I think you guys got about five inches of rainfall, and that did exceed the design standards of the city's stormwater system, so um, caused flooding throughout the city. And you guys actually had a federally declared disaster from that. And and that's just something that exemplifies what the city could experience more and more into the future, as um, both the intensity and the fr- frequency of extreme rainfalls are expected to increase. So um, for example, like right now, a one day average maximum rainfall event in Ann Arbor might be about 1.6 inches. And that's projected to increase to about 1.9 inches by by the 2080s, which which might not seem like a a huge increase, but relative um, to, if you think about, we're already having these events that where the, um, the storm system gets overwhelmed, you think about like increasing um, that intensity in the future um, just will have a larger impact. And and then also just the frequency of the rainfall events. So um, looking at a rainfall event where about one, um, one and a quarter inch falls. So that's I think defined as a 50 year storm for the area. Um, that such storm is projected to increase from about two days um, a year currently And that's predicted to double by the 2080s to about four days per year. So again, a pretty significant increase in the future in just the the number of these events. Um, And then before I go in and maybe open up the the map and we can take a look at some areas if anyone's interested in um, sort of looking at flood risk in specific areas of the city, any questions about these hazards or, or any others? Okay, well, um, I think we're doing okay on time. Um, I think we can pull up the map here. And Matt, I don't know if you're able to share your screen, we can pull it up and if anyone, I don't know if anyone's interested maybe dropping into the chat and if there's any parts of the city they wanna see, we can zoom in and look at the
1: risk. Are you able to see my screen,
4: everyone? Yes,
1: thank you. Okay.
4: Um, And just to kind of orient you all really quickly here. So um, we've got our, our flood areas in blue, and blue, yellow, and orange. So this darker blue is what's called the FEMA floodway. I mean, that's really where like, you've got kind of flowing water Um, And then we've got our flood plain in this lighter blue, the the FEMA 100 year flood plain. Um, And then our local flood model is in this yellow. And then the cross hatching shows the FEMA um, 500 year flood plain. So you can see, I mean, it kind of makes sense with the the Huron River. And then we've got our our stream reaches that kind of connect the city. You can see where most of our, our hazards are, sorry, our buildings at risk and what we call our critical facilities at risk might be our, kind of in this Allen Creek area. So you can see um, in red, we've got our, our structures
1: at risk.
2: Jerry, I saw you come on camera. Did you have any comments you wanted to relay?
1: No, just available to answer questions.
4: <laughs> I should point out in purple here, we've got our, um, our identified critical facilities. But if if no one has any questions, I'll turn it back over um, so we can go over the mitigation strategy, but um, if if nothing comes up now and you think of a question later, um, feel free to get in touch with with me or send your questions to Jerry and he can either answer them or pass them my way. And we should have some time at the end
2: of the meeting as well, if something comes up, um, we'll be here. Thank you. Okay, so let me reshare here and we're gonna move on to the mitigation strategy. Um, Kristen will be presenting that. Thank you,
5: Caroline. My name is Kristen Hughes and I will be providing an overview of the mitigation strategy. So the mitigation strategy has two main components, the goals, which are the guiding principles or broad statements that are consistent with the mitigation actions in the plan. Um, and then the action plan is the other component, which includes the mitigation actions, which are the activities that have been identified to reduce risks from the identified hazards. So, to date, we've reviewed and updated the goals, and we will go over those on the next slide. Um, and then we've also reviewed the actions from the 2017 plan and identified those that have been completed or um, will be carried over into this plan, but refined. We've also created new actions and the data for the new actions has come from public input. So the public survey played a role, um, meetings as well as the information provided in social pinpoint. We've also been working with the steering committee and the TAC um, and had interviews with departments to have further discussions about um, opportunities and needs. There was also a capability assessment that was performed and the results from that have helped inform the mitigation strategy. And the capability assessment is looking at the resources available to the city and other agencies to implement these actions. Um, The risk assessment, which Christina just provided an overview, um, helped inform the action plan and then other plans were also reviewed. So once we develop the actions, they are prioritized, and I will go over that process um, later in this section. And the resulting product is a comprehensive action plan that will have the actions prioritized. So briefly, I will go over the 2022 Hazard Mitigation Plan goals, since they may be new to some on the call. Um, The first goal is to utilize personal experiences and sciences to inform strategies and decision-making to increase resilience. The second identified goal is to develop tailored solutions that result in community members being equitably represented and protected from hazards focusing on those that are most vulnerable to hazards and climate change. The third is to integrate hazard risk reduction activities into city practices, including policy development, procedural implementation operations, and funding mechanisms. The fourth goal is to expand and enhance partnerships between government, businesses, the public and community partners to foster more effective mitigation action and build community resilience. And the fifth is to promote public awareness of hazard risk and mitigation actions and sustain public engagement through community champions. Um, So there are seven broad um, action categorizations for the mitigation actions in this plan. Um, The first is prevention. Second is property protection, structural projects, natural resource protection, emergency services, public education awareness, and social cohesion. And the next several slides will go into a little more detail with examples um, on the types of projects. So prevention is administrative or regulatory actions that influence the way that land is developed and buildings are built. So examples can include planning and zoning uh, building codes, open space preservation and floodplain regulations. The next property protection are typically actions that involve the modification of existing buildings to protect them from a hazard or remove them from a hazard area. Um, Examples can include acquisitions, um, relocations, Elevating a structural retrofit. So an example of a retrofit, um, you may from time to time see air conditioners elevated and flooding in areas where it floods um, and storm shutters are another example. Structural projects can include uh, or structural projects are actions that are intended to lessen the impact of a hazard by modifying the natural progression of the hazard. So examples can include dams, levees, detention or retention, basins, channel modifications, retaining walls and storm sewers. Natural resource protection projects are actions um, that in addition to minimizing the impact of a hazard, also preserve or restore the functions of natural systems. So um, examples include floodplain protection, habitat preservation, slope stabilization, riparian buffers and forest management. Um, Emergency services are actions that protect people and property during and immediately after an event. Um, Examples can include warning systems, evacuation planning, emergency response training and protection of critical emergency facilities or systems. Public awareness, I'm sorry, public education and awareness projects um, are actions to inform citizens about the hazards and the techniques that citizens can use to protect themselves and their property. Um, So these examples include outreach projects, education projects, schools, library materials, and demonstration events. And last, social cohesion projects are actions that help um, residents build and maintain relationships with each other, um, especially neighbors, to create shared plans and develop shared resources to jointly prepare for, withstand and recover from hazards. And action, uh, Samples include resilience hubs, uh, block parties, storm drain cleanup, and free little libraries and pantries. Um, So as I mentioned earlier, um, the city has developed a prioritization process for the mitigation actions. um, And there are seven criteria that were included in the prioritization process. So, feasibility, um, and it was given a weighting factor of 20%, and feasibility is focusing on um, whether funding is identified and the ease or complexity of implementation. Uh, Equity is the second criteria, and it is tied to the Opportunity Index, um, and the the categories with the uh, Opportunity Index were used. Um, for the categorizations for the scoring criteria. Climate resilience um, considers the action's impact on the ability to bounce forward from um, an event. So the classifications here were um, very high um, and whether it provides multiple events for climate resilience, including greenhouse gas or adaptive measures and high, um, was whether it provided one benefit and then moderate, um, it provided limited benefits, and then low, it did not provide any. Next, we included public input into the prioritization. So um, we considered the project type. There was a question on the public survey regarding um, the types of projects that the public found important. So based on those results, we um, identified the scoring criteria, and you will see those on the slide. And then also um, the public identified their hazards of greatest concern. So um, we included those in the scoring criteria. And then last um, are two requirements from FEMA that um, we consider the risk reduction or benefits from the project as well as costs. So those are the last two criteria on the slide. And then as we've been doing the prioritization, there are some um, actions that are bubbling up to the top. So, the, um, and these aren't in any specific order. So updates to the emergency operations plan, including a cyber component to the plan has been identified. There have been a number of actions tied to stormwater management improvements that include um, studies, structural projects and um, possible improvements to policies and ordinances, Um, updates to the dam inundation mapping has been identified as a need and is um, one of the higher ranked actions. Communication and engaging with vulnerable populations Um, in disaster, mitigation and disaster preparedness and planning has been identified and there are several actions related to that. Public education and outreach programs um, were identified, CRS planning, so uh, doing additional CRS activities, um, which will also improve the score for the city, including climate change impacts and vulnerability assessments And then resilience hub and back I'm sorry resilience hubs and backup power for city owned housing communities.
1: So This is
2: a really important part in the presentation we'd love some feedback from you all. um, Now that you have a hopefully a greater understanding of what hazard mitigation is and the type of um, risk reduction actions if there's any that are. Maybe ideas that you have we'd love to hear from you Um, feel free to put those in the chat or um, come off mute and chat with us does anybody have different ideas for risk reduction within the city. Right. well we'll keep moving along then we're about finished with the presentation, but um, we, will, we will stay a little bit after in case you'd rather um, chat with a smaller group. So in terms of next steps, so that this plan is still active, we're still in the process of writing it, but it has a it's quickly coming to an end. so we will be able to release that draft to the public in July. So um, look for that next month. it'll get posted. And um, we'll post it to Social Pinpoint, but of course, that'll be linked through the typical channels, the same channels that um, you received the notification for this meeting to register for it. Um, You'll you'll see it through those same channels to be able to review the plan, take a look at the whole thing. Um, They're quite large, actually. They can be several hundred pages, um, mostly due to the risk assessment. There's a lot of really good information and um, sometimes quite technical information in there that's um, designed to help the city, but that action plan again is really important and something we wanna make sure that the, the public agrees with and has input on. And then um, lastly, this, this will actually occur like more likely in October rather than September, but once FEMA um, provides the final approval on the draft plan, the city will be able to adopt that and they'll do that via a city council meeting. So that'll be the last step and then the plan will be in good shape and up to date for five more years. So with that, that concludes our meeting. Um, we'll stay on the line in case anybody has questions or comments that they'd like to relay to us. Thank you all so much for your time and coming and I hope you have a great evening.